The Top 100 Clubhouse Podcast is brought to you by Eden Mill, bringing the tradition of distilling whiskey and gin back to St Andrews, the home of golf. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Top 100 Clubhouse, the ultimate podcast for golf course enthusiasts worldwide. I'm your host, James Henderson, and we're about to embark on a journey through lush fairways and breathtaking landscapes, as well as delving deep into the minds of fascinating individuals from every corner of the golfing universe. Get ready to explore the world's top golf courses through the eyes of those who know them best. Greetings, golf enthusiasts, and welcome to the final installment of our three-part series. In this episode, we shift our gaze from the past to the future, as we look ahead to the great golf courses that will captivate players and fans alike in 2024. So that, that's a good question. If you mind, just, just moving on from that, James, because I don't want to get into an argument with David. Um, it is <laughs> courses that David uh, or you, James, are most looking forward to playing next year, whether you have them penned in already, penciled in, they're still in your wish list and you haven't got it planned. So it, but David, you, you do have a few trips planned. And where you look, you, you've said Hirono, but outside of Japan and Hirono, is there anywhere next year you're looking forward to, to oh. going to see? Get me started. I'm going to be there forever. Um, Lofoten, um, Lofoten links in Norway. I've been trying to get there for, I don't know, two. Well, we both tried to go together. Do you remember we both tried to go together during COVID and exactly. our flights got, uh, Nick, I couldn't get into Norway, lost all my flights, but yep. the air Norway or Norwegian air, whatever it is. Well, tell me yeah, when you're yeah. going. I'm desperate. That's, that was what? actually SAS. We both had SAS oh, and, SAS. and we lost our, okay. uh, lost our, good. Do not, uh, and do not edit at that out. Let's name and shame them. They didn't give us our money back. <laughs> I agree with that 100%. But, uh, no, but James, obviously you interviewed. <coughs> yeah. Frodi. Froda. Is it Frodi? Froda? Oh, I called him Frodi. Frodi, um, Hoff. Um, and it was his family. It was a family business, and uh, yeah. his father started the idea, even though his family weren't uh, golfers. Um, they own this beautiful state up in yeah. the north of uh, Norway. Well, maybe we'll do our own little version of uh, Top Gear Golf, and the three of us go up there with a camera and muck around and have well, a good time. There's um, a great area is Norway, Sweden, because. There's a lot of architecture that's gone on that's completely untouched by people who are, aren't within that sphere in Norway, Sweden, Finland. There's golf architecture. Those guys haven't even really done anything outside those areas, maybe a bit in Germany yeah. and Denmark. But um, the main big guys, the main architects have never been to these areas. But yet there's, it's almost like a microsphere of uh, golf architecture that's not really been talked about. Yeah, I mean, here it is, it's on our... Uh, top 100 and um, both top 100 golf courses and SAR, you know, the, the one I'm involved with as well. But I do hear a few people saying spectacular place to go to golf course is really cool, but often much like you've just said about our Finn, David, like off the fairway is just like death. You know, we, uh, there was a golf course that I went to once that was, you know, we came with a strap line, you know, course X where pro V's go to die um, because it's just so brutal off the fairway. I thought that was and, my driver face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that as well. Um, but no, I, I, I'm, I would like to go to there. So let's make that trip happen. But I know the place that David's really itching to get to and, and we're, we're both itching to get to is the Lido. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's absolutely right. 
I have had, um, you know, obviously I'm an American, as everybody can tell, but um, I've been living overseas for 30 years. Um, I've only been to Wisconsin for golf one time. Um, so I'm missing out. So there's a big Wisconsin trip that's been in the cards. It's been a long time coming. Now with, you know, Lido and Sedge Valley and Sand Valley, I haven't been to any of those places. So Lido is something that, you know, Golf Magazine highlighted it uh, really high in their lists. Everybody that I've talked to has been very enamored with it and, and, and you know, thought it was spectacular. I've heard people say it's extremely difficult, but you know, a, re- a remake of a course that died in Long Island many, many, many years ago. Um, I am extremely keen to get out there. Uh, of course, like most people, I'm a Doak fan as well. Um, he would cl- Doak probably would claim it's not his course, so it's not his design. Well, he said that, hasn't he? He won't claim it. Almost. Yeah. He won't take okay. credit for it. I'm still going to give him credit for it. Sorry, Tom. Um, it, it's, it's um, you know, it's it's probably at the top of my list, along with uh, Cape Cape Hardy, where you've, but, uh, where uh, you've been. It's not Point the, Hardy. Point Hardy. Sorry, yeah. it's not the only reconstruction of Alito. Well, no, that good point, well made. So I'm taking a cheeky trip to Thailand uh, for golf. Uh, again, bizarre golf destination for most people, but uh, I. Um, encourage you all to go. You want to go to a full moon party, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so Ballyshear, Gil Hans, um, which is a, a riff on a leader, I believe, which is out there near Bangkok. There seems to be, I think there's a couple more and one, maybe one in China or somewhere as well. It's like, it's a weird, there's a few, there's four of them, I think, uh, recreations or restructurings or whatever. I don't know yeah. what they call them, but, uh, what Tom Doak's done is the best representation, maybe because he's had the most money well, to do it. Well, how do you know that? Well, the the, the story that was, well, is, is it Peter Flory? I, I forgive me, Peter, if you're listening, and I've mispronounced your second name, Flory, who, you know, I, I discovered him on Golf Club Atlas, a bit of a lurker on Golf Club Atlas. Um, and Peter did some CAG, like, computer-generated design and tried to use old topo maps and Google Earth and things like that and came up with this computer-generated um, 3D model. Um, I believe that's probably the closest description you can get to it of what the place would look like. And then they found this parcel of land out in you know Rome, Wisconsin, near the, the Sand Valley Resorts that the, the Kaisers have backed. And they've put this thing in the ground with Doak and forgive me, I can't remember the associates that works on him. I'm going to say Eric Iverson. I've maybe got that wrong. Um, I think it was. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah um, I, I don't know if they toned down any, if they softened any of it. I know it's supposed to be extremely difficult. Um, I spoke to, to Michael Kaiser last summer and he said to me, like, you know, you go and expect to be challenged. It's a very testing golf course. The one thing you won't be tested on is – well, you will be tested, but you won't get in trouble is off the tee. Is what I hear re- uh, regularly from people that have played it. Is um, You can have 90-meter wide fairways. Yeah, a lot of width. Um, but your thing is, you've got three fairways in that 90 meters. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got your shortest, best, and worst path. It's just trying to work out which one's the one suits you the best. Yeah. And what, what about you, James? Is there a, on your list for next year? I've... Uh, Oh God! Well, even a trip, maybe not just a course, but a trip that you're looking forward to. The or... one I want to go to is Royal Hague, Netherlands. Of yeah, course. The, uh, what else could it be after the, this podcast? I've, I've, I'm meant to be. I've, I've been messaging a guy recently about uh, who's a member at Royal Hague, and he's wanting me to uh, come out and do something with them. 
If you if you go to the Netherlands and I don't know about it and I'm, I'm not I've, helping I'm you to, to do keep it, that quiet, I'd be incredibly he insulted. Yeah, you're trying to stay away from David. No, but you must you must you must go and I'll I'll um, happily. I'll the other happily one I want to go up. to is the uh, new Dave McClay Kid course in Portugal. Oh, uh, Comporta Dunes. I want to go there too. We can go together. I'd, I've heard I'd, it's I'm, unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think we've put together about seven golf trips so far yeah. in this in this pod. Easy. <laughs> which, which we're not trying hard enough. Is that a record? Twelve. It's only one every two months. <laughs> <laughs> but where else do we go next year? Well, David, you're doing another. You're doing a trip to South Africa, which you've been to before. I've only yeah. played Devon Country Club. Okay. But where else are you playing in South Africa? Um. Well, the the all the famous places, basically. So it's actually one of the first trips. Well, I tried to do this before and and couldn't really make it work, but. Um, but so it's a it's an opportunity for our guys to play all the literally the best at least okay that's that's a subjective uh, comment but I will say the best are all the highest ranked courses in one go. And South Africa is not the smallest uh, of countries, so we are we found a way to kind of bridge the gap with um, logistics, which is the the difficult part. And um, you know we'll we'll do like the Links of Fan Court, which is famous, and a couple of courses there. We'll go down to Pinnacle Point, which is their old head, uh, literally, you know, uh, all on cliff tops and um, amazing uh, views and stuff like that. Then we're going to make it over to Durban, uh, Durban Country Club, which has um, had some terrible flooding last year, but um, they've been doing some, giving it some loving and renovation uh, the last uh, last several months. And we will finish up at Leopard Creek, which is um, one that I'm looking forward to because I've actually not been there. That's the only one that I that I haven't seen. It's one of the few golf courses in the world where you can literally get eaten while you're playing golf. And I'm, I'm extremely looking forward to that, actually. How, how's your hook and slice? Because you might have to get around some giraffe heads. Oh, I, I've got a hook <laughs> and a slice. <laughs> okay, gentlemen, most exciting new project to open next year. To open next year. Or um, exciting new project that will come. Geez. Okay, well, what have you heard? We, we'd about? have to try to talk about which ones are opening. Cabot, um, Cabot well, Citrus well, Farms. No, I can think of one. Well, I can okay. think of a couple now. You've said that, but I mean, I suppose the ones we've reeled off so far in the pod that most people would have played because they are so fresh yeah. out of the wrapper. A Point Hardy, Cabot Saint Lucia, Sedge Valley, Sedge Valley. Yeah. yeah, I believe they played during the Renaissance Cup at uh, the Lido. Lido, obviously. Lido, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, TRI North. A hell of a long way to oh, go, yeah. but for any of our Ant- Antipodean friends, uh, get yourself to TRI. Seven Mile Beach. Seven Mile Beach is opening, hopefully, in Tasmania, south part of Tasmania next year. Um, I mean, Pine Nurse number 10, which leads us beautifully into young designers that we said we wanted to pick up on. And Shall we come back to that one? Associates. Well, we'll we, we can kind of like skim off that. I mean, Pine Nurse number me, 10. Do you want to do now? Oh, it naturally flows in. So, I mean, Pinus number 10 with Angela Moser. So, Dote Design. Angela Moser is the lead associate. So, as, we, as we've now got to know with a lot of Dote Designs, those guys have serious input are doing most of the stuff in the ground. Tom will come in and do edits. Maybe they'll re-edit once he's left. Um, but Angela, especially as 
you know, a female in golf, which should be championed, um, is there leading the charge? She's probably the I, most important female associate in the world right now. I, I would, uh, well, golf course designer in her own right, really. Yeah, she just happens to designer, be the yeah. lead associate in terms of a title. Since Marion Hollands, is that a bit of a stretch? Are we going over the top? <laughs> Since Marion Hollands, holy cow, that's well, no, are we going over the back? Top? Well, if we say Marion Hollands was this huge input to, yeah. I mean, name me and another McKenzie. female. In well, close just, to a hundred years, I, I can't. I can't do that. Cynthia Dye did. Um, well, did Alice Dye West, Westcliff's uh, some kind of relation to? Uh, yeah, and Alice Dye obviously yeah, was like heavily involved with with Pete Dye, oh, the, the wife. Well, the wife, yeah, the wife of Pete Dye is Alice Dye, heavily involved with a lot of yeah, his right. stuff. But who knows how much? But this is really prominent leading yeah. of a project. I yeah, agree. And can I just projects, can like, I can I add to this because um, Angela is somebody I I know reasonably well. Um, I was uh, working in Munich for eight years and Angela comes from Bavaria, which is uh, where Munich's located. So I used to have the wonderful opportunity to meet up with her once in a while for a beer down there. Um, and as, as um, look, of all places, Germany is a place that needs, you know, I've been praying for Germany to get something going in terms of golf architecture there's a couple of people that that are switched on there, like Christian Althaus, um, who, who's, more who's, done, who's done Four, the island, uh, the, the three courses on the island of, of Four, which is the, northern Germany. But Angela is is the future to me. She's the future of Germany. I mean, her calling is to go back and make Germany a golf destination. Well, and I, I really sincerely hope that happens. Has she heard, said that is that a thing? No, that's what I said. Uh, <laughs> Angela's trying to do greater things, but I just am really hoping that she goes back and makes Germany a golf destination. Yeah, good I've heard that. an amazing uh, stat that there's actually uh, more golf courses in Germany than there is in Scotland. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's more courses in Germany than there is in Scotland. Name, wow. name five. I can't. Exactly. Um, Munich Golf Country Club. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Frankfurt Golf Club. Uh, <laughs> Berlin. I mean, okay. just name a bunch of cities and put golf club after. Um, S- stick to the so, UK, boys. But yeah. my point is, there's something like 700 in Germany, and yeah. I can't name one. I, I think there's and, 650. The best is Hamburger Falkenstein, and that is going back to um, an old Harry Colt rooting that yeah. uh, was was uh, tampered with by uh, Bernard von Limburger. By the way, amazing knowledge, David Davis. Uh, Chapeau. Unbelievable. Chapeau. Um, the, uh, but there was only about 200 20 years ago. So all, a lot Could of be them- right. A lot of them have been built in the last 20 years. Well, actually, you probably have to go back 40 years. To be, 40 to years be fair. fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to go back 20, to the dark 19, ages of 19. golf architecture because I'll tell you what. And and look, I might get shot down for this, but Germany never left it. Okay. Yeah. It's sad. And that's somber uh, comment, but it's true. Well, we can put um, – hopefully, Angela will – venture back and fix them i am very proud as as uh you know have spending so many years in germany i'm very proud of angela for what she's doing actually as a woman first of all and secondly as a german because those two things in golf course architecture don't really go together well we had um the last or last pod that went live we had a uh, uh alessandra kutz who um <coughs> who's one of two or three female club fitters in the whole of the UK and Ireland, which is wild. And it's the same in golf course architecture. Can you name another female ar- golf course architect that's alive and working? Uh, the Lena Mortensen, who's Danish. Uh, I'm not sure if she's active, if she's done anything recently. 
um, but she lives down in East Lothian, and that's the only reason I know. But your your point is well made. Oh, that, absolutely. Uh, I but mean, then if you and far between doesn't cover it, they're I mean, non-existent, unfortunately. It's the same as um, it's the same as uh, there's more working. There's sorry, there's more working astronauts in the world than there is uh, golf course architects. I think I, I listened to your pod with Alessandra the other day, and whenever this pod goes out, it was a few days ago that that, that one was released. She's one of maybe three female club fitters. And you talked a lot about, um, you know, male dominated industry and and the spin off of that. And unfortunately, there's there's nowhere uh, more stark in terms of of that than than golf course architecture but even with greenkeepers on a positive note i have to say when we were recently in new zealand saw at least a handful a handful of uh, female greenkeepers which was great to see there's um there's definitely more female greenkeepers going uh starting to take up the role absolutely um but it's a very uh it's a very difficult thing to get into it's not a it's a very male dominated uh task but this even in terms of the the places we do we were getting really low detail now but um even the facilities most greenkeeper facilities certainly around the uk probably don't really cater for for female members of the team um no. because they're so small like real cubby holes of places with a few lawnmowers a few bits of machinery and one i mean it's probably generous to describe as a common area but it is great to see more females in the industry. As a father of two daughters, it's wonderful to see more more females in the industry, more opportunities. Okay, right. You have you have two fathers here of uh, two daughters, actually. There you go. Well, um, let's uh, on that profound note. Let's move on to the next bit. If uh, there was a World Cup of Design in 2023, who do you think won it? Who was the architect of the year? I, I'm gonna quickly just take the easy answer, and I'm gonna say Doke because of because of Lido and um, that. I mean, mainly that one. I think is kind of like everybody Tiri. seems to be talking about it. Yeah, Tiri North. I think Lido will get more coverage because more people will get there because it's in the US. Uh, Tiri absolutely. North to me is 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 bonkers good, um, really really good. But we're talking. I mean, straight away. It, it, if we're talking World Cup of golf course design of new golf courses, then there's only a few people you can talk about. Yeah. If we're talking about courses that we visited in the last year, yeah. I mean, Allison's got a feature pretty highly because of how impressed we are with Japan. But I suppose you have to doff your cap to Mackenzie Ebert for their work at Hirona there in terms of restoration yeah. of the year yeah. or what we would class as the best well, restoration we've seen. The best renovation yeah. of the year, restoration. Who? Yeah. Oh, the, the Hirono for me. Yeah, for Hirono. Nothing's close to that. Okay, how about best new course of the year? Um, for me, the best new course I have played this year is TRI North, which I've already mentioned, closely wow. followed by Point Hardy, wow. and those last five holes are mind-blowing. So, so, again, let me just verify what you're saying. New to me or... New, new course. golf course this um, in the last, mm. or become publicly available in the last year. Why not try Eden Mills The Guard Bridge blended malt whiskey or golf gin? Visit our sponsor's site www.edenmill.com for more information. 
Eden Mills St Andrews, bringing the art of distilling back to St Andrews. Yeah, I'm, I don't know that I've um, played too many that are like brand new open courses this year. I, I might have to think about that or pass that one because I, off the top of my head, um, whether it's that that beer and a half or whatever it is that's keeping me from coming up with the the name, I, I can't think of it. Um, okay, so which country do you reckon improved the recognition worldwide the most? In golf in the last year. Another tough uh, question. I'm not sure in the last year. It's hard to say the last year, but I mean, we've talked about, I, I would say, and, and I'm I'm sort of patting a colleague on the back here, but certainly in the last 10 years, I think the Netherlands has been the uh, like an emerging nation, which sounds ridiculous, say a contradiction in terms, given how old golf is in the Netherlands. But I think the Netherlands is is now not firmly on the map, but on the map and people need to go there. Um, so I, I'm going to, I can't argue with that, but I'm going to speak out of hearsay uh, on this one uh, just because I haven't been uh, enough yet. I've been once and only played one course. I'm going to say Vietnam is the country that is, you know, the the biggest one on the list of like hot spots of golf where, where tons of new courses are being built. I feel like Asian golf and like, sorry, I'm going to go off on one now about recognition of golf courses. There has to be at least a handful of courses in Asia that should be in consideration for a World Top 100 that either are not in the spotlight, not none of us have visited. I'm not sure, but I, I find it hard to believe that there is a lot of golf courses in Asia. There has to be at least a handful, more than a handful, that are worthy of consideration for some of these world lists. So I, I would love to explore more of Asia and I don't know, maybe it's a conditioning thing, a, a lot of them in terms of when I say conditioning, not how the grass is cut, but more, um, you know, whether it's firm or fast or it's sloppy and wet because the place is so humid. Um, it also doesn't help when you ha- don't have the level of expertise that other places have. I, but they probably there's, do. I just feel it's like people don't go there. Well, there's a, I know in winemaking, there's places like France, you could start up a winery make a winery and make good wine at a very low cost to a high high enough level that you could absolutely destroy most wine that would be produced from somewhere like China mm-hmm. because there's your neighbor produces wine you can buy secondhand equipment you can um you have it's easy to get an agronomist it's all these different small things you don't think about that produce a very good wine in China where there's very few golf courses, you don't have that accessibility. You might have spent a huge amount of money on building a golf course, but having someone like Tom Doak and paying for him to come over all the time and things like this is very difficult. So so my, I mean, one of the things that I would say, and this is with, to be fair, I'll, I'll call it limited experience, though I've been, you know, I've played in China, played in most of the places over there. I'm I'm going to say that they get um, so they bring in a lot of so what they believe is great in golf. Um, they bring a lot of American architects over and and they want to reproduce Parkland courses that are in the U.S. Um, to me, what makes golf great around the world is when you go to a place and it has something that's uniquely distinctive to its own country: Australia, Sandbelt, um, those type of things. And you know that sticks out. Japan. 
what what uh, the what Allison did there. Um, if I go to Korea, for example, to me that like I know there's great courses in Korea and there's a lot of golf courses and most of us, including, yeah, actually I'll say all of us uh, haven't seen the majority of them because there's probably a thousand you know or plus golf courses. But you know if I if I look at Korea for me it's South Cape. It's just this place that I I'm in love with that place. You know I I can't can't deny it. I love the course. I love the place. Give me a choice of a resort to go. I probably would pick that. Yeah, here, here, big Carl Phillips guy. Um, really good golf course. Uh, no one's going to get there, and it's expensive. It's a resort course, so in very compass people can play, but bunkers are expensive. But fantastic place to go if you can stretch to it, or you happen to be in Korea and get a cheeky invite somehow, some sort of corporate event. I don't know, but wonderful golf course, amazing resort. I just feel that like with Asian golf. We're so focused on the US and the UK, even Europe suffers. Let's talk about closest to home, like Europe. There's got to be some golf courses in there, Europe, that are really good. That Did they fly under the radar just because they're in Europe? Are, are people scared of putting their neck on the block and saying, actually, these places are pretty good? We've been talking about Netherlands for, uh, for a long time. Yeah, no, we have now, but those are kind of old world courses. And so we are getting deep. Are you now. thinking about more like um, thingy cliffs in Bulgaria kind of vibe? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're the talking about. Cliff, yeah, yeah. yeah, is that Gary Player? Yeah, right. So, okay, I'll pass. Um, so, I'll, I'm seconding that, okay. but uh, just but quietly. It, it's but more, my point is, but uh, I, yeah. want, I probably want to make a sorry now, kind of on my soapbox here. This consensus that no new golf course can possibly, possibly, how dare it, indeed get into the world top 30, 20, 10. What are we talking about? Everything else in the world, whether it be football players, sorry, soccer players for our US visitors, or <laughs> whether whether it's, um, you know, talk to me about something else, whether it's computers, whether it's anything in the world, there's been all these huge improvements, but somehow there is no amazing line left and no skill that the modern designers have with all the technology that's, available to them to build a better golf course than pine valley are you kidding me of course they can do but what what is stopping people from either a doing it in the first place or b be it panelists or the consumer going there and having the you know what's to say no actually this place is amazing this is good enough to be in the world top 10 um so how many golf courses in the top 100 used uh bulldozer to be built I don't know. Yeah, that's a hard question. I'd love to know because I'm, I'm gonna. I, can I call a friend? Well, there's got to be very few that in their in their uh, evolution haven't had some sort of hmm. work done to them. But I, I know what you're saying. Like created by bulldozers, maybe from scratch, and very few of those golden age designs or or pre golden <coughs> age designs. They're really old courses, like the old course or a Muirfield. Um, I don't know. It just sticks in my throat a little bit that we we do seem stuck in this place where the top fifty in the world maybe, but certainly the top twenty in the world are fixed. The top ten, none of them are older than nineteen thirty. Well, well, no, no, you, and none you of them are younger than nineteen thirty. No, no, you do have a few. Who? But, um, well, it's Sandhills is one, the, the obvious one that, that's really there. But well, top, no, top ten in the world. Well, and then some people's reckon that would be top ten. But yeah. I, I take your point. Anything that's in the top 20 in the world is truly spectacular. 
And to think that a new course is almost not allowed to break into that, to me, seems counterintuitive to everything else that's going on in the world. Well, absolutely. That's that's uh, protecting the sacred cows. No, but how much of it do you think it is because uh, you might have a a golf hole that you can you know say a new golf course has a golf hole like a redan or whatever that is very similar to a golf hole that isn't in one of the top 10 golf courses and you're like oh actually i've seen this before i've seen this here this is a copy of a previous hole do you does that make a difference would that would you look at that the same quality as the previous hole that's older i i just feel like that for modern day designers at times is like an easy way out and i don't mean that to be disrespectful it's something oh this would be cool to have a redan here and that's great i love redan so oh that would be cool this land fits perfectly for this i've always wanted to do this because there's only so many ways to skin a cat they visited all these golf courses around the world and they've taken the time and effort to visit these places and say oh this hole would fit perfectly here it would be great to go to a place that didn't but is that not forcibly doff the cap to somewhere and just went, Hey, this is my heart on a sleeve. This is the best golf course I can do on this amazing piece of land. And for the industry, it's totally original to turn around and go, you know what? Wow. That's an amazing golf course. And they kind of did it with but, Sand Hills, but why can't it happen again? Why does that, that only happen once every three? But that's not years? original. I'm sorry. Did that not happen the, at It's amazing, road? but original is totally different. No, but there's no real templates out there per se. Controversial, but is that not what happened at Tobacco Road? Well, yeah. I mean, heart on the sleeve, yes, that did happen at Tobacco Road. Um, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's good design doesn't matter, but that's... Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. Everybody should go see tar- Tobacco Road. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But is it completely original? I don't know. It's quirky? Yes, 100%. They, they, they took UK quirk and brought it to the US and, you know... And then put probably put it to put it on steroids a little bit at Tobacco Road, but it, it, Tobacco Road's amazing. Everybody should go see it. It's a wonderful place to go. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Um, I'd say halfway. I, I wouldn't go full on and say that that's completely original. Um, is there anything you want to add to? I, I think I don't, I'm not quite finished on that part yet. It's more, and and some of one of our uh, good mutual friends, Paul Rodowski, all three of us know Paul, um, brought up something recently. We were just talking absolute nonsense on the phone. And he said, we were talking about something that was written on Golf Club Atlas about, oh, it seems in vogue at the moment for everyone to rush to golf courses and be in a hurry to give their opinion. And Paul and I said that kind of cuts two ways because some people can go, and I'm not saying I'm one of them or not, and they can remove the 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 periphery, all the things that are around the golf course that maybe haven't been tied in properly because it's so new and judge it and think that it's great or, or not. Other people go and either I think, oh yeah, I better say this is great because other people I'm guessing will say it's great. So I would want to be the first people to say it's great. Or they go and actually they have a negative opinion because they can't remove the stuff around the outsides. Because it's rough and ready on the outsides, they don't want to say it's a great golf course. So, I don't know, I'm kind of waffling. It's, there is a race to be first to go and see places that's going on. There's a race for all these golf courses to get into a list because it's very important for them for visit footfall, for real estate, whatever else, for the pride of the owner, which would say is probably like the... The least important thing, it's it's about the money. 
But if places are good enough, it doesn't matter that they're young. For me, I would say I would agree with you, but I after playing a few golf courses just before just after being built and ten years after they've been built, they're always almost always better at ten years. Oh yeah, of course. They've all um, they've all settled in. We're all far more mature than we were ten years ago. But I don't um, and and I, it's a very it's a thing that we're very used to with whiskey, right? We're in Scotland. We're very used to aging a whiskey and keeping a whiskey for 10 years, as you know, David. Or wine. Or wine, exactly. Whereas um, the I do think people can turn up at a golf course after it's been built, judge it, and never go back. And happens all the time. Yeah, that happens all the time. I suppose to counter that and using your exact analogy, if you were to blind taste test someone and sometimes they taste an eight-year-old whiskey um and they'd vote it better than the 20 year old but if they were looking at a label they'd automatically do the herd mentality of oh it's a 21 year old whiskey this is better and yeah. exactly the same with wine Absolutely. And now as people will tell you um some wines you need to drink straight away or within a couple of years and if they're left longer than that they go bad that doesn't happen with golf courses for the most part they, they usually do get better because they're sure that the turf knits in a bit better but they can go to bad if you don't look after them properly. I suppose within reason. Okay, let, let's say a course has been open. <laughs> let's say a course has been open five years, so it's yeah. properly grown in. I just think the the consensus that none of these new courses could ever break into the absolute top echelons of, of golf courses around the world seems strange. And this is coming from, as you know, James, an absolute purist, an absolute traditionalist, someone who would play. North Berwick, Muirfield, the old course, a you've, thousand you've, times over. And majority of golf is played uh, with a shirt, shirt, tie, and jacket. After. Exactly. Um, so you believe it's possible? You've just never seen it. I, I don't know. Like I, I, I feel I've gone out there with a few courses, like Tyreti. I wasn't shy, and it, I, it wasn't like it was the first person to say that. But I was one of the first people to go there. It wasn't because of me that people thought it was great because I said it. No one listens to me. But I was ha- I was happy to say Every- it's fantastic. But everyone gets excited when Do- Tom Doak's releasing a new golf course. Yeah, absolutely. But he's a great marketeer. He's a fantastic marketeer. But I mean, name another new course. I mean, lots of the core Crenshaw courses, I suppose. Yeah, they get do well. massive marketing. But uh, the, as well. the same way you interviewed David McClay Kid the other day. Yeah. So he absolutely. Uh, what he said he was twenty seven or something when he yeah. did Bandon Dunes. But then the pressure was on him, right? Yeah. And so he wasn't producing, and I'm pretty sure he'd come out and say that he wasn't producing the same quality that he produced at Bandon Dunes. And it's because he was the first person to do it in America when he did what he did yeah. at Bandon Dunes. Yeah, and he talks about that stage of life that exactly. he went through, basically, and all those type of things. You had a great... Uh, the pod with that him was, was fantastic. Yeah, and he, uh, thank he you really much, opened David, up. For, oh, no, that was um, that was Javi. Javi, thank you very much, Javi. Shout out, Javi. Yeah, yeah, absolute legend. Uh, the okay, so right, I'm just gonna. We've already touched Angela. Is there any other exciting new talent in golf course architecture? Uh, so, so, who I mentioned before? Did we already mention Kyle? Sorry, actually forgot. Kyle but, France. Yeah, as in the uh, as in Cabot. Well, exactly. Citrus Farms. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, of course he did. Uh, he, you know, he he got a. Huge opportunity to do uh, mid pines and pine needles, uh, you know, there in the spent a lot of time in the Pinehurst area and kind of knocked that out of the park. So rightly so that he got the opportunities to do that. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole bunch of new stuff coming up with um, 
you know, some some of Doak's associates, of course, um, that, that's been open now and, and to huge acclaim, like Tree Farm and uh, Old Barnwell and uh, yeah, we've geez, what else in that area? There's, there's some massive uh, yeah. uh, and, uh, new and, projects. And we talked about exciting trips. I'm, uh, every January, I'm very lucky to go and play in, in a tournament at, in, in Georgia. No one think Augusta, but near there, fantastic golf course. But this time, I'm really excited to go. I, I was lucky enough to get a peek at the Tree Farm last year. So now go and see and now it's bedded in. I'm excited about an old Barnwell. You're right. There's a real like hub of golf around Aitken. Is South that Carolina. Schneider is doing? Brian Schneider. Brian, yeah. Um, he's doing a ton of stuff. And Blake Conant yeah. um, is old Barnwell. But then, yeah, you've talked about Carl Friends. Another person I want to touch upon, because we've talked a lot about young designers, but young developers, forgive me, Ben, if you're listening, but I didn't realize how young Ben Carandua was, around the same age as me. I don't know if that's young, but sort of early 40s. What Ben's doing now, and like his foot on the gas on the developer side, what an interesting mm. man he is to sit. Can down you explain with. to people what's going on there? Well, yeah, Ben Candu is a, a golf developer now. That's how, how he started off in in, in golf travel, um, created this one these wonderful databases of golf travelers back in the day. Bought a bunch of parcels of land up on Nova Scotia, built Cabot Links, then Cabot Cliffs, and now he's branched out and. You know, he's business partners with some other very prominent developers in the golf industry. And he's done Revel Stoke in British Columbia. He's done Cabot St. Lucia. The building the course and Clyde Johnson's the lead associate for Doak up at um next to Castle Stewart, as we used to know at Cabot Highlands. Cabot Highlands, right. Which yeah. will be great. Citrus Farms. We're allowed to talk about it now, but uh when I first did the pod with Clyde, which we never actually aired because the audio was terrible. Audio was terrible. Um, you know, there's a double crisscross, one in eighteen crosses, isn't it? They they cross each other. Double so crisscross. Yeah, so there's um, there's another hole that they crisscross as well. Really? Yeah. I, I can't even think of a double crisscross in golf, so that's pretty unique. So you the for one one you cross the fairway with eighteen. One in, one in eighteen certainly crosses. Yeah. There's another two holes as well. Really? Oh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I have to, I think it's out on the far end. I might be wrong, but I believe cool. that's yeah. Well, I, I think that we need to mention, and I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen them, um, but uh, King Collins Landman, Landman, which which I haven't seen yet, unfortunately, and um, obviously Sweden's Cove, I've not seen that either. So actually, that's one of the few architects out there that I've not seen any of their work. I apologize for my the, uh, ignorance there. The, that's no, but that's a great shout, David. They are, um, and I know Zach talked to them for quite some time about doing tree farms at Blair, yeah. um, which he's he's given them credit for in the past. Sweden's Cove is obviously what put them on the map. Landman out in Nebraska, but they They're, have several projects going on now. Yeah, but, and one of them is the Bounty Club just outside of Nashville. Yeah. that Justin Timberlake's involved with as well. I think it's something like 20 minutes from downtown Nashville, yeah. which seems to be the place to move in America at the moment. Yeah. yeah and, and actually, sorry, just to add to that, there's there's also another one that's coming in like the uh, greater Augusta area. So that that's like crazy. I think it's the 21 club exactly, or something. Exactly. It might be 21. Yeah, yeah you might be Two right. Two courses there, I think. Yeah. Is that to add to the, crazy. the Aitken yeah. area? Yeah. That yeah, area is going to be like one of the biggest areas in the US for golf. Yeah, big seam of sand down there. I think there's like an essentially the old ocean bed that's, you know, 100 miles, I'm yeah, throwing out a round number, Absolutely. inland from the coast. And there's this seam of sand that the likes of the courses you just named are on, a hoopies on. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's super, super interesting area for architecture. I, 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 
one thing I'd like to say about that that area or the courses that I've seen down there, and I, I don't want to name names of the courses, but very often what I've noticed is that you you it eyes like a lynx course. The shots eye like lynx shots, like you should use the ground to make the shot, or that's a very viable option. And yet often the the issue that I have with it is that the ground the turf is too sticky to play it like a lynx shot. So you need to play a shot like you know, for example, guys will pull a 60-degree wedge out, which we'd never do on a Lynx course over here. But they'll pull a 60-degree wedge out and hit it to the pin when it looks like it should be played on the ground. I know there's different strains of grass that are coming and, and stuff where they're trying to improve on that playability, like, uh, all, you know, to, to increase the options that you can, uh, you can use when playing into greens. But my experience so far is that all the courses I've played, it looks like a Lynx, but it plays like a like a saw, you know, like a warm weather grass parkland course. Feel free to jump in. And no, disagree. no. Well, actually, that brings us perfectly onto our next point: is uh, what do you think is a fine margin that designers are starting to cross? So, my the first thing that comes to mind is that, um, and I've been been getting a lot of like um, pushback on on kind of the concept in general over over the last, I'd say, two years, and 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 that's this. The whole minimalist minimalist movement. It, it's almost like, okay, it's it's amazing. It just keeps going, but it's almost getting that the courses. A lot of the courses have too much short grass, too much width. You know, which is a big stress on maintenance as well. Of course, right? Not 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 everybody can do that. You need to have a lot of money to be able to to continue to keep it up in in that form. But you know, there's courses coming out that are 150 yards wide off the tee. And then what I, what I hear is that, you know, from a lot of people, they, they say, okay, listen, that's ridiculous. You know, the, if it's, if every course being built is a second ball course, if it's only about the angle and the shot into the green and those type of things, you know, aren't we getting a little bit bland and a little bit boring? So if those are the only courses that are on the radar of anybody, aren't we overdoing minimalism a bit? Yeah, I would agree. How about you, what do you think, Simon? Yeah, I mean, David David and I, I mean, not for a few weeks now, but we haven't got into it for a while over golf course architecture, so this, this pod's been great. But I, I do think there is a limit to width. I, I get it, and um huge fan of it, and growing up where I did, and University of St. Andrews, all course, all the width. Um, I, I get it. But I just feel there's some places where there's so much width there's no real challenge off the tee and no real interest. And I don't class myself as a good player, but for the good players, I feel you have to have something. You have to every now and then, even if it's maybe six times around um, out of 18 holes, you just have one hole where it's not hardcore, of course, but there is some sort of challenge off the tee. So, you know what? If I take that on and I pull that shot off, I get a huge advantage. And I hope we don't move so far away from that that there's no advantage, no advantage to being a good driver of the ball in terms of accuracy. So you just stand there, slash away, and as long as you hit it far enough, you can go wide enough. Okay, I buy into the argument. Oh, but you'll have a four, and if you hit it over there, you'll have an eight, and if you're here, I, I don't know. I, well, I don't know. There's, um, I know Royal Liverpool doesn't uh, Hoylake doesn't stack up very well in terms of. Uh, the top 100 in the world, but it's kind of 40th in the UK or something. And um, it's always been a course that rewards a very accurate driver. And there's no surprise why Brian Harmon's done well there. 
in the last open in that terrible weather because he almost drove every fairway. Um, if you look at the areas you have to drive to, there's a golf course that's been kind of not ignored in top 100s, but um, it probably needs a wee bit more recognition well, than it gets. I'm glad you brought Royal Liverpool up, actually, and a, a very uh, topical this year because of the Open and everyone will focus on 17. But I think it's a golf course, and I, I've played it maybe half a, half a dozen times. I wish I'd played it more. Um, wonderful club, first and foremost. One of the few oh, courses in the world where the course and club... I think are right up there as, as one of the true greats. It squeezes as a golf course, squeezes every ounce of quality out of that piece of land. Yeah, so the, 100%. the start and finish, whether you let's not get confused between open uh, routing of the golf course and, and, and member order of the, the holes as well. The start and finish is, is, is fairly flat in terms of yeah. topography, not particularly interesting, but very well in terms of landforms, but very interesting golf holes. Yeah. And then you get out into the dunes from, from, the, from the member uh, routing of the golf course four through what was old 13, which has now been flipped to be, to be 17 in the open um, is the more interesting land. But then I think what used to be 14 completely pan flat hole but using the angles of, of the rough on the right and almost like a, a berm almost that was down there. Uh, very interesting hole, really good hole. 15 was a good hole. And I do think it's a course that's harshly treated. Um, is it one of my favorite open golf courses? Open venues, yes. Open golf courses in a non-open occasion, the, there's, there's ones I enjoy more. But I, I do feel um, it's dealt with pretty harshly. I, I, I'd i jump in there and say two points. The first one is that, um, you know, a lot of people say that great golf architecture is architecture that makes the best of the land that's available. Um, we could definitely sit here and argue that Royal Liverpool has done, you know, in terms of golf architecture. Well, it's right up there in, that, in the skill yeah, of the design. Yeah. Exactly. So did they maximize the usage of the available attributes that the land had? The, the juice from the squeeze is, is as good as it gets. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, no, that, that ticks that box. So, but, but the second point, sorry, James, no, the, sorry. Just, just quickly to throw this in. The second point is really that, you know, often you, you will hear us uh, talk about the top 100 golf courses in the world. I mean, that's the point zero. what is it, 1% or something like that? So that's a little bit unfair because if you're in the top 500 golf courses in the world, you've got an amazing course. Nothing, you know, you should be incredibly proud of that because it's so rare to have the you know, 1% or whatever it is or, you know, whatever that percentage is. Exactly. And is, is Royal Liverpool in that category? Regardless of how you look at it, whether you say it's top 100 or whether you say it's top 200, absolutely 100%. And is the architecture then fantastic, phenomenal, great architecture, making the best of best use of the land? Absolutely. There's um, my, my big topic about it. The reason I brought it up was because it is a golf course that you need to drive well and you need to drive accurate because there is uh, difficult areas if you do go offline. And there's a few golf courses that um, are the older style of golf course that have that. But yet the modern style, as we were talking earlier, can't get into that top 10, top 20 bracket 
that features all these golf courses that do have tighter areas? I'm I'm not sure about that, that, about getting into the bracket with the tighter areas, because if you look at the ones that are right at the top of the list at the moment, there's very few of them that are super hard. I mean, I suppose, but no, maybe I'm contradicting. I'm talking myself top out 10. of this. I'm Outside the top 10. Um, but I mean, national, I wouldn't class as tight. Pine Valley, Agreed. I would say, is not particularly tight of the tee, but if you're out of position, then all of a sudden trees are coming into play yeah. and for your second shot. But visually incredibly intimidating. Visually incredibly it looks tight. But so is Muirfield. I mean, we talk about Muirfield a lot. It's one of my favorite golf courses. Off the tee, the first time round, your second, third, fourth time round, your hundredth time round, if you're, if you're so lucky, it does look intimidating. But once you've played it a few times, you realize the landing areas are actually 35 to 40 yards wide. But the visuals are very intimidating. Alpine Valley. thing mm-hmm. is about Pine Valley, you've then got some trees to to navigate um and and a little a couple of waste areas not just a couple um i, I almost we're at a stage now though where it, it it's not quite gone this far and i'm saying this to make a point I, I guess that maybe we need a top 100 championship courses i think that would keep a lot of people happy because they probably feel like a shinnecock <laughs> or some people maybe say augusta is like surely the best golf course in the world and, and I love Augusta. I've been fortunate enough to play that. I absolutely love it. And it's the number one experience in golf. Um, is it my favorite golf course? No, but that doesn't mean just so bad everyone, golf courses. Just so everyone knows, I'm the only person in the room that hasn't played Augusta. Well, mm-hmm. you know, There's always got to be somebody. In yeah. there. <laughs> There's always the wee man in the room. Um, I, I don't know. So I've gone off on a tangent there, away from my points. But the, the point is, the, the it, it's not in vogue at the moment to be this tight championship course. And places like, Oakland Hills, uh, Oak Hill, Baltus Roll have thrown a hell of a lot of money at restorations, renovations to open them up a wee bit, increase the the footprints of the greens and things like that. Southern Hills. Southern Hills. There another, lots of hills. Yeah, lots of um, hills. And all, it's not a hill, it's a mound, but, uh, <laughs> uh, Oak, but Oakmont. This is true. <laughs> but, Oakmont but, is, uh, it, it's one of the hardest driving courses in the world well it oh certainly was before they, they stripped the trees away and it still does now i mean oakland's ridiculously difficult golf course um but we are in in this kind of cycle phase whatever you'd want to call it of, of openness maybe not width but openness when do we will there be a renaissance and return to masochism that's the question well, I think there'll be a point where you have a number of people in uh, golf turning around and going, especially lower handicappers who tend to be the people that run golf clubs and run golfing uh, places going, actually, there's too many competitions being won by 20 handicappers because they've got no problem off the tee. <laughs> enough is enough, right? This is ridiculous. I'm, I want, I, I can't play with a guy who's just topped it and be in the same position but as him. I, I think that's the great skill. There's courses that go a little too far, but then the ones that are the true, true greats, certainly in this era of, which is, can be seen as a second age, second golden age of golf course design are the courses that balance the width with challenge. So they are truly hit it over here. You're going to have loads of room, but you're going to have a four end to the green. And on that angle, you're going to struggle to hold it or hit it over here if you mess up, you're dead. If you pull it off, you've got an eight iron into, you know, an open angle to this green, you know, well done. So that's, dare I say, uh, um, turn back of the ball, slowing of green speeds, a radicalization of green surfaces, 
And what do you mean radicalization of green surfaces? Well, bringing back the crazy greens because you can do that with slower green speeds. Well, that takes us in. A, I'm not disagreeing with that. That takes us in an, into another area. We talked. We always talk a lot about Doke, but having just been down to to the North Coast at TRI, wild greens, running at 15. No, of course not. But like a solid 10. If they were much faster okay, than that. Okay, that's scary. They're probably not 10. Wild greens pro- running pro- at 10 is scary. Pro- they're probably eight and a half at the moment because it's brand okay, new. Fair. But when it gets up to 10 or 11. Then it's scary. Uh, windy too. And windy people site, are probably right? going to, well, yes and no. Yes, windy, but it's in the trees, albeit this huge scale to the property. Okay. Um, so is it green speeds? I don't know. This is a, it's a well-trodden path in terms of a conversation. But. Sure. Turning the ball back and... Green speeds are two pretty big things, right? Because that completely changes the landscape of golf and, and how definitely how the amateurs are playing and certainly also how the pros are playing. So, But it changes golf architecture. It kind of preserves, to to a certain extent, golf architecture. There's um, one thing I do find uh, is a shame is there's a lot of green sites that are, are being flattened worldwide. There are a load of green sites around the world that are fantastic green sites that are built by these unbelievable architects that still control in um the top 100 whether you agree with it or not they still are the best um best architects that have ever lived and uh their greens are being flattened because they can't keep up their their green speeds are much higher yeah i think that there's there's going to be that battle more so in great britain and ireland for the old classics that are there like old paintings that people don't want to touch up or adjust and they just want to leave them exactly how they are but then there's a pressure from the members and the better golfers is to your point shame actually not even the better golfers just members in general that see augusta on television every april and think well we should all have super fast screens or they see the pga tour every single week and think they should have super fast screens to be fair if um if anyone's played a Lynx golf course on a windy day that's rolled above 10.5 they don't want to be there well the i always remember 2015 you remember the day when the open was called off on the Saturday and you've never seen as many drunk people in St. Andrews as you in your life. Cause there's all these guys that had gone up there for Saturday golf and there's no golf. I played at Kings Barnes that day and the ball was not moving on the greens cause they were cut at about a nine and we'd walked around the old course earlier that week and the green staff were saying, Oh yeah, the greens are going to run at a 10 max. So that one foot on the stimp makes a huge difference, especially in the wind 10 in modern standards is not fast, but I believe that is what they like the open greens to run at about 10, 10. That's, ex- that's exactly right. Yeah. I, I mean, I've heard that from, is it the the guy that one of the open scientists or something like that, right? The guy that researches everything uh, to the nth degree. And he said, the goal is green stimp 10. And, and I would add to that, that most people don't have a clue about stimp. So they think, oh, those are running at 12. No, they're probably at nine. You know, I mean, it's just our our idea of what that's like, and especially if you try to take out the slope. So if you're on a course that has a fair bit of slope and you play those greens and they're running at eight, you think they're running at 12 because the downhill one, you put it off the green, basically. So that, that, that that's a huge difference. And that's just one of those, you know. There's a great example of that is um, the – Muirfield, two opens of the last two opens of Muirfield. So you have the ladies open that ra- um, every single green was meticulously measured to run at 10.5. That's 
that was the speed that they aimed for and that was the speed they got and because it wasn't that windy during that whole time they the wind was low so they decided to make a little bit more defense by putting it 10.5 the 2013 open everything baked out and the greens were running up at t- close to 12 if not 12 and it wasn't a windy open that open in 13 the mickelson one and uh, he was the only person under par. Only person whole. under par by about three as well. He won, yeah. but I think, was he three under par and the next was level or uh, one then, under? Who, do you know who was next? Westwood? Next, next was Stenson. And what happened next year? Well, next year was 14. Which was, was Troon. No, 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 Stenson... no, 16 was Troon. Sorry, uh, <coughs> 16 was Troon. Um, 14, 14 which, was McElroy at Liverpool yeah um, sorry I'm getting confused which, in my years. Which, which one was Stuart Sink winning at the at the last those groups uh, were oh, nine. as well Tenbury, right? 2009 oh, oh, 09 yeah. yeah okay oh, 09 sorry that was such a shame backtracking but um, my point is the Mickelson and Poulter two of the great putters at that period both said that um, it was like putting on a crazy golf course yeah it was unplayable well, Mickelson, I, I was there at that Open in 2013, sat in the grandstands, and um, w- wonderful event to be at. But watching it on television, I, I didn't have the sense of Mickelson playing one of the greatest ever rounds of golf, which he then subsequently highlighted as one of his best ever, if not his best ever round of golf, was that final round at Muirfield. But when you're there, you don't really sense that. But I think if I watched it on television, you could probably appreciate it a bit more. But the the fact that there was no rain those four days, the wind was about ten miles to fifteen miles an hour max, but the course was so baked out that year. I liken it to sort of powder skiing conditions. If there's been a big dump of snow, everyone hops on a plane to the Alps from here in uh, Scotland, and it was like almost like people were coming that summer because the courses were so baked out. It was like oh, you know, this is once in a generation Lynx golf course conditions, and we were lucky enough to have an open like that at Muirfield, which was incredible. Do you know who was captain at that year? Robin Dow. And do you know what he said to the second place, Hendrik Stenson? Uh, hard luck, son. No, he said, because uh, his, wife's, his wife's Swedish. Oh, of he course. He said in Swedish to him, I was hoping you'd win. Really? Yeah, while standing next to could, Mickelson, so he could, but he didn't understand. Could you, um, could you say that in Swedish? Nowhere near. It's got a lot of O's. And well, maybe we'd and, get really interesting here. Krum, oh, uh, no. Uh, can you? No. What's in Dutch? In Dutch, I was hoping your wife would win. Duck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's thank you in Swedish. I think is the only Swedish word I know. Um, I think we're kind of covered everything. The only thing I would like to ask you about is exciting tournament golf courses. But I think no one really cares about tournament golf anymore. So um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind talking about that. Well, we talked about Muirfield. We just talked about that. No, but for, for next year, which oh, golf course year. are you the most excited okay. about seeing? So, what on? are the what are the courses next year? So, obviously, we've got Augusta. We've all we've all heard enough about Augusta over the years. Um, where else do we have next year? Is it Pinehurst for the U.S. Open? I think it is Pinehurst. Pinehurst number two. How many times have you played there, David? Three times. So I've only played there once. Um, got my you know what kicked. Um, I, I found it incredibly tough. Didn't have my best golfing day, but still really appreciated the golf course. There's enough been written about Pinehurst that I don't need to comment on, on the course itself unless you have anything new to add, David. The only the only new thing would be like a criticism. I don't find it very memorable, to be honest. Uh, and I played it three times and I could not take you through the course. And I have a... If I, if I talk about my personal golf experiences, 
I have this really weird mind for golf courses. Like I can remember all the humps and bumps and all these little things. And I struggle to remember much of Pinehurst, basically. Okay, so David's never going back to Pinehurst. Um, what <laughs> oh, other, I'll go what back. Other, but... what, what, what other golf courses are hosting majors well, next year? Um, there's Troon, obviously. It's doing the Open. Oh, of course, Troon. So um, let's talk about Troon. Um, David. Can we just not? <laughs> well, I, I think we should. So, so I, I, um, I think Troon is a great, a great test of golf as, you know, one of the most – to me, one of the most famous opens is that battle between Stenson and uh, Mickelson. Mickelson, uh, incredible, incredible, absolutely. Um, honestly, if I'm if I'm perfectly honest, it's not my favorite open course. Um, nowhere near it. Um, however, I, I will say that I, I think there's a stretch of you know five or six great holes, and and the rest of it are testing holes, but just not my favorite. That's all. I, I think that's fair. I think it's an incredible championship test. The back nine, perhaps because it's away from the water, and for the most part, you kind of going in the same direction, can seem to blend into one. But if you really pull the holes apart and you sit down and think about them, just an incredible test of golf. That far bend, the kind of the from the poster stamp and the uh, the turn is very good. well because yeah, there's, change, there's changes in directions a wee bit more. So seven's a cracker. Eight's very good. Nine, ten, eleven. You know, I, I mean, twelve. You come in a slightly different direction. Um, but once you're playing around the um, the greenkeeper's house, it starts to flatten out and becomes just not the same. Even the Portland's got more elevation than some of those holes. Well, the Portland, it's I mean, great that, little that's golf actually, course. I mean, I don't want to dive away too much from the championship golf. The Portland, I mean, everyone should go and play the Portland course. Cracking, Alston McKenzie course. I think you, it's only about 50 quid if you play Port, uh, the Troon on the day. It's only about yeah, 50 pounds. championship, then go and play the Portland, and everyone should do. But So, in Tim, and, and what's the other course next year? What's the, the um, PGA? Oh, it's uh, David's favourite. Valhalla. Yeah. Okay. I, I've not played Valhalla. David, commentary. Pass. Okay. <laughs> Hard pass from David on Valhalla. But there is one... Um, there is one golf course that uh, we need to talk about that's going to be on an international stage. And it's probably the only time we'll see professionals on a top three mm. on our... One of my favorites. Royal County Downs hosting the Irish Open. Here, oh, here. yes. RCD. Um, you're never going to see pros setting Cypress Point or Pine Valley. And RCD is number three. And RCD yeah. have decided they're going to, just for a bit of fun... They, I, I'm pretty sure they just turned up and went right. We'll do this year. Come on, right, fine. Well, I'd, I'd actually forgot. I'd actually completely forgotten it was having the Irish Open, and which is, I, I'll say this time and time again, one of my favourite courses on the planet. As it is, it is with everybody. I think it's in my top five. Which, as you've joked about before, James has more than five in it. But it's certainly one of my top links courses on the planet. Uh, top golf course on the planet, full stop. Best condition links golf course on the planet. Fact, as far as I'm concerned, not even a, a conversation. An interesting one to have a tournament, a, a, any sort of tournament at, other than something like the Walker Cup, which is perfect for. So now that that will be interesting to, to see. My my favorite links course. I, I'm just going to go on the record How by can saying you say that. it's your favorite links course when you championed Port Rush earlier. I mean, I'll, I'll claim RCD is one of my favorites. But you said Port Rush earlier. Guess what? It's the only links I have above Port Rush. Okay, so that makes Northern Ireland my favorite links country, doesn't it? 
Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's that's. Oh no, it doesn't because you could have um, three, uh, four, five, six, seven, more. eight, nine, ten, and yeah. I forgot the company I'm with. Yes, of course. <laughs> I mean besides Scotland. Sorry, the, my favorite links. Uh, no, I destination besides earlier, Scotland. Though. <laughs> but, but, but no, but but Royal, Royal County Downs a ten out of ten golf course. I'm sure yeah. there's going to be high yeah. viewership 100%. from the the golf geek community that week when the Irish opens at uh, at Royal County Down at Newcastle, um, and I'm, I'm sure the couple of hostelries there and restaurants are going to do very well. Um, what an, an amazing golf course! It's going to be great to see on TV. Yeah. Oh, and, I'm and very excited about. Out of it. all the courses being played next year. By a mile, oh, my it's, favorite. It's the best golf course that a tournament will be played on next year. Yeah, if arguably, if a, a televised time. professional tournament, it's number three 100%. in our list. And Pine Valley, Pine Valley, and Cypress Point. Cypress Point's got the Walker Cup coming up. Twenty-five, yes, yeah, that's twenty-five. That's big, yeah. So, um, but that is not a professional tournament. So this is the highest ranked professional golf tournament on on our rankings. Yeah, yeah. ever. And rightly so. Yeah. It's an incredible golf course. Which is very exciting. Incredible. So people need to understand the magnitude of that Irish Open in terms of quality of golf course. Right, gentlemen, I think that's us. I think we need to go have a beer at a bar. Um, thank you very much for coming on. We've got a good two hours 40 from that bad boy. Well, thank you for bearing with us for everybody that's listened all the way to the end. Uh, you deserve a hat or a head cover or something. Or, yeah, or, or, or at least a really solid drink. <laughs> right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And everyone else, thank you very much for listening. Cheers. Thank you for listening. And uh, as always, you can get in contact with myself, James, at top100golfcourse.com or on our Instagram at official top100. And remember, play fast.